This morning, uh, some of us um, need, may need to surrender some of our perspectives, uh, some of our experiences, some of the ways that we perceive specifically spiritual gifts. As my uh, title suggests, Manifestation Mania, uh, this particular issue of spiritual gifts in our culture today has created great division. Satan has done a great job of using something that is actually meant to be quite beautiful, powerful, and unifying. And he's twisted it up in order to use it to break us apart. He's used spiritual gifts to isolate us. We have within our uh, church in America and throughout the world, we have churches that are specifically have different perspectives on the issue of spiritual gifts, and that is the reason that they are separated from other churches. Let me say at the outset, this has never been what God has desired when he's offered spiritual gifts. The reality is, is we have some in our Christian world who have a extreme, an extreme focus on, on the experiential. Those who would be on the more charismatic side of our Christian world. And oftentimes, because of their extreme focus on experience... They become quite arrogant spiritually, thinking that they are the most spiritual among us. And they also can begin to accept all kinds of extreme experiences and manifestations. On the other side of this issue is those who are extremely focused on the logic of it all. People that uh, tend to use their mind and connect with God through the mind. These are those that would fall into the evangelical camp in a sense. And they, because of their extreme focus on logic, can oftentimes become arrogant intellectuals. And they begin to promote, basically, a practical deism. But what both sides of this issue don't understand, what they fail to see, is that both sides have truth in them. Because of their extremism and because of their isolation, they have lost touch with the truth of the other side. And the other side is just simply an enemy to be defeated. More than that, what they don't realize is that both sides are limiting and seeking to control God. And finally, what both sides don't realize is that they need each other. 
that it's because of their isolation that they've lost touch with what truth is. The Corinthians that Paul is writing to in the book of 1 Corinthians are amazingly in the same boat that I think we are today in American Christianity. I've been surprised over and over again as we've gone through the book of 1 Corinthians by how it seems like the cultures are almost identical. Even though we're separated by 2,000 years, the things that the Corinthian church are dealing with and struggling with and wrestling with are the same things that it seems like we are dealing with and wrestling with and struggling with. And over and over again, Paul has uh, confronted these, this Corinthian church with the divisions among them. And here, once again, he is pointing out the divisions that are among them in result, as a result of spiritual gifts and their perspectives on it. Their skewed perspectives on that. So let's read the passage before us this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by, that, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. The great theologian, Dr. Seuss, tells of a story about Sneetches. How many know the story of Sneetches? Okay, very good. Many of you don't, so let me share you, with you my version of that story. Sneetches are Sneetches. They're just creatures that live on beaches. <laughs> um, some of the Sneetches had stars on their belly and were thus star-bellied Sneetches. However, others did not have stars on theirs. So these star-bellied Sneetches thought they were really something, and so they would go around with their noses in the air, ignoring and, and pushing out those Sneetches without stars on theirs. 
And so those without stars on their stars were jealous of the Sneetches with stars, and they wanted to be like them. And so they tried to be a part of what the Sneetches with stars were doing, but then Sneetches with stars would never let them. And so uh, they struggled with this for, for many, many years. And then Sylvester McMonkey McBean showed up. Now, Sylvester McMonkey McBean was quite the innovator, and he saw that there was an opportunity. And so he comes to those sneeches without stars on theirs and says, Ha-ha, I've got your solution. I see that you want to be like those sneeches with stars on their belly, and so let me help you because I have a machine that will put a star on theirs. And so uh, you just have to pay a small fee, and when you've paid the fee, then you'll get a star on your. So, of course, the, uh, s- those sneeches without stars on their belly were all excited, and they gladly paid the fee and ran through his contraption on the other side. They had stars on theirs, and they were all excited because now they were star-bellied sneeches just like the other star-bellied sneeches. And so they went up to the star-bellied sneeches and said, Ha-ha, we're here. We're just like you. Aren't we great? Isn't this awesome? And so the star-bellied sneeches were really concerned about this. And I wait a second. Uh, how are we going to tell who's who? And so they had a meeting and then Sylvester showed up again and said, aha, star-bellied sneeches, don't you worry. I've got a plan for you. I have a machine that'll take that star right off. And so the star-bellied sneeches are like, yes, here we go. And so it'll just be a small fee and they pay their fee and they get their stars removed. And this goes on and on and on. And, and it's just quite chaotic. But I want to use this illustration, why would I use Dr. Seuss? Because I think it actually, and prepare yourselves, this might be hard to swallow, but this actually, I think, is a good illustration for those who are on the charismatic side of things, look at spiritual gifts. They elevate themselves above others that don't have spiritual gifts that they have. They begin to compare themselves to other based on the star that they have or the star they don't have. And the reality is, is that we've got pastors and we've got churches in our world today that actually will put a star on you if you just pay the right fee. And so they promote themselves and say, hey, if you want to have this particular spiritual gift, you just need to come and, and we'll pray for you and you'll get it. You'll receive the star on there so you can be like the rest of us because we are really elite. The reality is, is oftentimes those who are charismatic leading are seeking experience. They just want the experience. And that they put their faith and their trust in the experience. But the issue is it's never enough. They always want more of an experience. So once they get certain gift and they look at somebody else who's got a different, oh, that's even a better gift. And so now I want that gift. And then I want this gift. And it just keeps on building. And so I want to address just a few key truths that I think those who may be on the charismatic side of things need to recognize. And again, this is where we may need to surrender some of our perspectives. Because first and foremost, it's not about the gifts. 
see, the tendency is to think that it's the gift that we need. The tendency is to think that it, you know, I, I've got a gift and I've got to figure out what it is. I've got to figure out how God's gifted me. But the truth is, the gift is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. That, that's the gift. That's what, that's what we've been given. That's what we all have. God has given us the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. Not about figuring out how, you know, what, what our special talent is. Not figuring out how we have spiritually been gifted in some way. It's not about looking for the gift that God has given us. It's about looking for the Spirit. It's about focusing our eyes on Jesus and recognizing that we are Spirit-filled and that He will work in us. But only if we pursue Jesus. The Chimeric... Chimeric, I did it again. (laughs) Did it first service as well. Chimeric, the charismatic side of things. So good. Yes, yeah, speak in tongues again. The charismatic side of things tends to focus just on the gift. That's what they're pursuing. They think that is, that's what they need. That's what they want. Once they understand what that is, then they've, they've figured it out. And they tend to fall into these things called spiritual gift tests. But they're not spiritual gift tests. Because the reality is this. Is we have, the spirit is a mystery. We don't know how he's going to work. We don't know how he's going to work in me or you or any of us. He's just going to work. We know that. It's a mystery, and so you can't figure out how the Spirit is going to work in you by just simply taking a test. Those tests are simply spiritualized aptitude tests, which all of us take in high school. They are. They've just changed the names. All the questions have been changed maybe a little bit to make them sound more Christian. And then they change the names at the end of what you actually are, but it's like firefighter, you know? You'd be a good firefighter. Well, that means that you'd be a good, uh, what's that? What's that one connect with? I'm just coming off the top of my head. I don't know. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying? We, we change the word so it sounds like it's spiritual. But this is not what the point is. The, we have the gift already. We have the spirit. It's not about finding what that spiritual gift is. The problem with this is that with these spiritual gift tests, and I've seen it so many times. Someone comes to a church, they say, okay, we've got to go through a spiritual gift test to find out how God has gifted you in order to serve. And so they do this gift test and they find out, okay, you have the gift of hospitality, say. So then that's where, first of all, the church says, okay, you're going to be working in the hospitality area. That individual Christian says, oh, well, that's how God's gifted me, so I'm going to be a hospital, hospitable person. That's, that's who I am. And so we use the spiritual gift test as a way to identify who we are instead of recognizing, no, this is a manifestation of the Spirit, doesn't have to do with our identity other than the fact that we have the spirit in us and so people limit god when they take these spiritual gift tests they say okay well this is the only way that god's going to use me and so they never follow jesus if jesus says hey i want you to actually i don't want you to work on hospitality i want you to come over here and speak tongues they're like well, no, no no i'm not i'm a hospitality gifted person that's that's not my area 
Instead of just saying, okay, Jesus, where are we going today? How are you going to manifest yourself in my life today? The next word for those that would be charismatic leaning would be that the gifts are not ours to control. Those on the gosh dang it. <laughs> those on the charismatic side of things. I should have you sit here. This is this is the chimeric side of things, and here's the evangelical side of things. Anyway. Um, those on the charismatic side of things tend to think that once they have a gift, it's theirs forever. Again, not only do they only serve in that area, but they think that they, they have control over it, that they can always use it, that it's at their beck and call, that at any moment, whenever they feel like they need to use it, they will use it. This is why we have those who may have received, quote-unquote, the gift of healing, Let's, let's start this story again. This is why those who one time was praying for someone who was sick, and that person miraculously got healed. And they go, oh my gosh, I think I might have the gift of healing. And then they begin to go around and say, hey, I have the gift of healing. You want me to pray for you? Hey, you want, I, can, I can pray for you. But then when people don't get healed, Instead of saying, oh, well, maybe I don't have the gift of healing, they usually say, well, you know, if you had enough faith, you would have been healed. Because I've got the gift of healing. This is why we have some of our church leaders who are up on stages in big churches that are saying, you know, I have the gift of healing. Come forward to get, receive healing. And they begin to pray for everyone. And if, you know, but, you know, it's not about the results. Really. If you don't get healed, it's your deal, not mine. Right? Because I have the gift of healing. I prayed for you. I mean, you should have received healing because I touched you. And, and, and that means that you're healed. It's, it's not ours. It's God's. He's the one who has control. He doesn't just pass off these things to us and says, all right, there you go. Have fun. He wants and desires for us to every moment of our life to be reliant and dependent on him. Last thing for those who are charismatic leaning. I've got to pause now every time I say the word. Um, is that the spiritual gifts are not evidence of spiritual maturity. Especially with the gift of tongues, it seems like there's been a lot around this particular gift. That if you have you know, the gift of tongues, you know, then boy, you, you're, you're really close to Jesus. Of course, there's the really extreme side of things to say that, well, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not a Christian. They've gone to that length, even though clearly in chapter 12 later on, Paul says not all are going to speak in tongues. But, but even, without the spirit, even without tongues and the other gifts that come about that, that we get to experience and the Spirit manifests, manifests himself in different ways, we can even get around that, oh my gosh, I must be really close to Jesus because I was just able to pray for that person and they got healed. Or I must be really close to Jesus because I had a word of knowledge from God and I shared it with someone else and it changed their life forever. But the Spirit is not, it's not about maturity. 
See, the Holy Spirit is going to use Christians, no matter what your depth is in relationship with him. Because we all have the same spirit. We all have the same amount of the spirit. The spirit is not divided. It's not a matter of just, oh, you know, well, you know, I got a little bit when I became saved, but as I continued to grow in my faith, then I got more and more of the spirit. No, that's not the way it works. We all have all of the spirit. It is not a sign of maturity just because you have some manifestation of spirit in your life. Matter of fact, look at Saul, King Saul, Old Testament, who had rejected God, who was disobedient to God, and yet he's prophesying. The spirit comes over him and he's able to give prophecy at the end of his life there. I myself has witnessed a man who was a drunk living on the street share the word of God with a student of mine as we're walking by. What do I do with that? Do I say, oh, well, God can't speak through a drunk? Yes, God can speak through a drunk. And we simply need to consider Balaam's donkey if we want to be humbled in this. The Holy Spirit can do anything at any time in the life of a Christian if we would just simply open ourselves to it. But it is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Praise the Lord that we don't have to be perfect in order for the Spirit to work. Praise the Lord that we don't have to be perfect in order for the Spirit to do His thing. Right? I mean, we, 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 we're all fallen. We're all sinful. We're all in trouble. One final thing, Matthew 24, 24, talks about in the last days, false prophets will perform signs and wonders. The reality is you don't even have to be a Christian to do signs and wonders. These are the truths and the dangers that those who lean charismatic must be aware of. But lest those who are on the evangelical side feel prideful in any way, let me turn my attention to you. So who would like uh, to pray? I, we just need someone to maybe pray right now in the service. Oh yeah, a lot of heads going down. Thank you, Dan. I'm not going to actually have you pray, but uh, it was a little test. It was just a little test. Yeah, yeah, well, right. I mean, how many times do we do that? I mean, as a youth pastor for 20 years, right? I'd, at the end of this, my service or my end of my talk, I'd do that. I'd ask that question. All right, who wants to close the service with prayer? And like every one of the kids, would, boom. No eye contact. Don't, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me, right? And they're just like, that's what they're, they're praying. Yeah, but they're like, dear Jesus, no, 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 not me, not me, not me, right? So it, this is us, right? This is us as Christians. We do this, and the, you know, we're like freaking out. And, and, and let's now apply this to spiritual gifts, right? Because this is on those who lean on the evangelical side, the logical side, the theological side. We have this. We have Jesus standing before us and says, hey, who would like to receive the gift of tongues? And our heads go, oh, oh, Jesus, no, no, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. Oh, that's too crazy. Gee, I don't know what to do with that. I, I, I can't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. No, don't give me that one. I, I'll take other stuff. You know, words of knowledge, okay, I got the Bible. I can lean on that. But no, don't give me those crazy, you know, spiritual oh, tongue things. Ugh, right? We are so focused on our logic and our theology that we have no room for the Spirit's work. We avoid the mysterious. We avoid the experiential. Basically, what it comes down to is we can't trust the things that we can't control. 
And we can't control the spiritual gifts. Some of those things are just a little bit too out there. I mean, what do I do if I get the gift of healing, but it doesn't work every time? How, how do I manage that? What do I say to people? I, I got the gift of healing, but I don't know if it's going to work. You know, what I mean? you know what I'm saying? How do we deal with that? And so we just... So some key truths for those who fall on the evangelical side. First of all, the Spirit is active. The Spirit is at work. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see it today. The Spirit is at work. We have the Spirit inside of us. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the fact that when we bow our knee to Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. More than that, we're called to walk by the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. That we would be those who are following the Spirit's lead as we walk. The Spirit is active and at work. But because of our fear of the mystery of the Spirit, we have to understand that there are many of those of us who are leaning towards the evangelical side of things that are actually living out a practical deism. And if you don't know what deism is, let me tell you. Deism is basically the belief that there is a creator, some kind of God, some kind of being that came and created all of this, but then he just kind of spun it, got it going, and then he left, and he's not involved today. That is not what the Bible teaches us about who God is. God, according to Scripture, is transcendent. He's above and beyond all that of all of his creation. But he's also imminent. He's in it. He's involved in it. If we are going to be true Christians, if we are going to stick to the theology of Scripture, then we cannot be deists, not in our thought life or in our actual life, the way we live. We have to recognize that the Spirit is at work and open up our minds and our lives to the possibility of Him manifesting in some crazy way that goes beyond our ability to understand and do His work in us and through us. Second, we need to recognize that the manifestations of the Spirit are actually biblical. They're there in Scripture. Now, don't get me wrong, some of the charismatics have gone to an extreme and have actually tried to say that things that aren't in Scripture are also manifestations of the, of the Spirit. Okay? And they've gone to, but, so it's not that like everything is a manifestation of the Spirit, but boy, it happens. There are lots of different manifestations of the Spirit, and we need to recognize that this is biblical. Our theology demands, actually, that we accept the mysterious. We can't possibly know everything about God. Right? This is the theological truth. God is infinite. We are finite. Which means that there's no way that we can fully understand and comprehend Him. He is beyond our comprehension. As a result, there is mystery. We know a lot about him, but we don't know everything about him. Our theology demands that we have an allowance for the mysterious. That we would allow God out of his box and say, you don't have to just act this way. But that we'd recognize that he's bigger than this, and sometimes he's going to whack in ways that are beyond this. 
finally, we need to recognize that it is through the manifestation of the Spirit that God receives glory. See, see, the manifestation of the Spirit actually point to God. So many people in our world, especially in America, I mean, the can-do nation, right? We can do this. You know, if you just put your mind to it, if you just put in the effort, if you really want it, then you can do it. American ingenuity, right? I mean, we can do it. Man can do it. This is the mantra of our world. But the manifestation of the Spirit is the only thing that flies in the face of that. It says, no, 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 you couldn't do this because only the Spirit can do that. Man can't, man can heal a lot of cancer, but there's some cancers that man can't heat, be, heal, but God can. We have to recognize that these manifestations of the Spirit actually point to Jesus. This is why in, in, in Acts, there's all of these stories about the Holy Spirit and His manifestations. As the gospel goes to a new country, a new city, it's like the manifestation follows. Why? So that the people who are hearing the gospel for the first time will go, Oh my gosh, this isn't just a man thing. Because that is impossible for man to do what just happened. We have to recognize that the manifestations point people's attention to God and not us. We have too many churches, too many evangelical-leaning churches who refuse to let the Spirit run their churches. And they're doing a really good job. Matter of fact, they may be growing like crazy. They put in good business practices. They've got good things going on. They know how to put on a good show up front. And they're growing like crazy, and it's awesome. But there's no Spirit in the place because there's no room for it. We can do this. We don't need the Spirit. And so what does that cause? It causes a congregation to be leaning on man and trusting men and trusting that, and putting their hope in men and what we can accomplish instead of in God. Despite whether we lean on the charismatic side things or whether we lean on the evangelical side of things, what I want to close with this morning is the importance of finding unity. And we find unity in this, first of all, recognizing those who are even on the evangelical side of things. It's a mystery. We can't figure this out. We can't make a formula for it. We, 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 there's no way we're going to understand and know really when the Holy Spirit is going to do his things. He's just going to do it. Our job is just to focus on Jesus, live our life for Jesus, but also be open for the manifestation of the Spirit. We will never fully understand God and how he works, but we must always be open to receiving all that he has for us, even when it seems illogical. Back to the illustration earlier, what Dan realizes and why he quickly volunteered to pray is because it's the one who volunteers to pray 
The one who opens up themselves and says, okay, I'll take it. I don't understand it. I, I'm, I'm afraid of it. But says, okay. That they realize once they bow their head and begin to open their mouth, that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to give them the words to say in that moment. It may not sound good to our ears, but it sounds beautiful to his ears because it's his words. And once you've experienced that, you step back and you go, oh my. Because the reality is, is we know our heart and it ain't pure. But yet Jesus and his spirit still stepped in and used us. What an amazing blessing. To those that lean on the charismatic side of things, it is not about you. It is not about the spiritual gifts. It's about Jesus. It's about God. That is the focus of all of this. So much of the charismatic side of things is all about making ourselves feel good. So often we base our, our connection with God on our spiritual gift or the manifestation of the Spirit. And we, we, we think that, oh, this is, this is how I define whether I'm in close you know, connection with God or not. It's all about me. God is not interested in just making you feel good about yourself. He has got a bigger picture than that. He wants to change the world. He wants to draw those who don't know him to himself. The gifts are not for you. They're not to make you feel good about yourself. They're to bless others. It's to do the common good, which is to edify all believers and to, to bring those who don't know Jesus to the kingdom. Manifestations are a beautiful blessing that will encourage our soul but only when we allow him to keep the power and control in accomplishing his will in his way. In the end, they decided that sneetches are sneetches. And no kind of sneech is the best on the beaches. That day... All the Sneetches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not upon ours. Can we forget how the Spirit manifested Himself the last time? Or if He's manifested Himself in the way that we hoped He would? Stop looking at the manifestations of the Spirit and start focusing on Jesus. Manifestations only come to those who have a relationship with Jesus and are focused on following him wherever he leads. And then when we're doing his will, when we're joining him in what he's already accomplishing, then the manifestations show up. But finally, and this is the point I want to drive home this morning, is that we need each other. The charismatic, leaning folks in the room, you need the evangelicals. The evangelical folks in the room, you need the charismatics. We need each other. We need those who are sensitive and open to the Holy Spirit to teach us how to be open and aware of when the Spirit is there and what He's doing. To teach us how to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and following His lead. We need you. 
We need them in our life. We also need those who are strong theologically to teach us which manifestations are outside of God's character. And there are some. You know, because we've split off, the charismatics are just allowed to go crazy with their experiences, and they just lump everything together. We're not going to question what the Holy Spirit's going to do. We're just, we just believe that the Spirit is moving, which is great, and they, but then they just allow all kinds of things to happen, which oftentimes are not actually from the Holy Spirit. But they have no one in the room because they've been separated from the evangelicals. No one in the room to say, wait a second, that's not God's character. On the other side is you got evangelicals over here who are dead in the room. They're just, they're concerned about their dogma. They're concerned about their theology. They're concerned about, you know, towing the line and being legalists and doing the things that they know are right because Scripture teaches it, and they're totally ignoring the Spirit. They need someone from the charismatic side to show up and to say, look at the Holy Spirit's alive and well, and he's active. We need each other. Without each other, we both go to extremes, and we lose the full truth of who Jesus is. It's not a battle that we need to fight over. I understand that some of the things that I've shared with you, you might disagree with, but that's okay. Let's have the conversation. I need you. I need to hear your perspective. You need me, and you need to hear my perspective. We need to walk together in this. It is only together that we can have a fuller picture of who Jesus is. And the bigger picture we have of Jesus, the bigger things we're going to do in this world. The more effective he's going to be. And I'm not talking about bigger numbers in our building. Trust me, that's the least of my concerns. My concern is that we would follow Jesus wherever he leads, every moment of every day, individually and as a church. All right. Worship team, why don't you come forward? Just a couple of final thoughts. Maybe, um, I, I, as I kind of wrote these out, I, I thought to myself, maybe this is a little bit about um, giving us a label as a church, that these things would be true about us, um, that we would live this out as a community together. May we be a church who is focused on Jesus and one who relies on the Spirit. May we be a church who expects the Spirit to empower us in worship, in ministry, and in our reaching out to this world. And may we be a church who knows God's Word and celebrates the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and close our service in song.